So today I'll be teaching on what you say is what you get. What you say is what to get. My key verse of the scripture today is Proverbs 18.21. Just one verse. Proverbs 18.21. So what you say is what to get. I feel the Lord was stirring my heart and opening my eyes and my ears to see how words are destroying people's lives today, but they do not know. You know, we we are watching so much, so many movies. We, 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 are, we are consuming so much content in the media. And a lot of people are talking. And because there's a lot of noise surrounding us or bombarding us, it seems like we are losing the consciousness of the power of words. Many of us who spend about six to eight hours today on Facebook, someone said, how, how, how possible is that? I know what I'm saying because some people, even when they're supposed to be sleeping, they're on Facebook scrolling through and before you know it, three hours is gone. In the afternoon, when at tea break, somebody share a video with them on, on Facebook and they go on Facebook and they see one thing interesting or something funny, something amusing, and they're there one or two hours. Friends, I've been there before. Back in the days, sometimes I go on Facebook and um, two hours I'm there. So you hear a lot of stuff, you see a lot of stuff, and um, gradually we are forgetting that words we speak and words spoken to us have power. I repeat, words we speak and words spoken to us have power. Now, in the book of Genesis chapter 1, the Bible tells us, it said, God said, let there be light and there was light. It said at some point, it said, let us make a man in our image after our likeness. If you take your time to look at how God created uh, the world, uh, I mean, how, the creation of God, the, the, I mean, the process, how God cre made creation, yeah, how God created things, it was through his word. It was the only man that the Bible tells us that he formed him or her from the dust. But everything else, he, he spoke them into being. Now, the Bible tells us that we were created in the nature and the likeness of God, in the image and the likeness of God. In a sense, we are junior gods. We are the offsprings of God, right? We are children of God. So, if God's word is powerful, then we as children of God, our words cannot be insignificant. If God's word is powerful, creates power, I mean, releases power, releases stuff, brings stuff to pass, then words, our words cannot be insignificant. Words are powerful. So let's look at this from the word of God. Now, Proverbs 18, 20, 21, sorry. The Bible says there, so let me start with the ERV, the easy to read version. It's, it reads, the tongue can speak words that bring life or death. Those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. The tongue can speak words that bring life or death. Remember Jesus cursed the fig tree. He didn't cut down the tree. He said, from today, no one eats from you anymore. Don't forget that Jesus came in human form. Now, the life you see, you saw Jesus lived, 
how he did signs, miracles, and stuff like that. It came, Jesus came to model to us the life of a believer, what it should look like, living over circumstances, living above circumstances, defeating the enemy in, in wherever it shows us in our life. Nothing, nothing could destroy Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way like us, yet he had no sin. Jesus came to show us that through the power of God, in, in the new nature, in the new creature, when we are born again, that this is the amount of victory we can have in every area of our lives. Thank God for sending Jesus as a model to tell you that that circumstances, in that circumstance, that situation in your life should not rule you for eternity. You can stop that circumstance. Friends, the enemy can rule in our life to the extent we permit him. I repeat, the enemy can only rule and reign in our life to the extent we permit him. See, when a time comes in your life and you say, enough is enough, and you, speak, and you begin to speak the right words, speak the right things, and not engaging the emotions of death, and when I say death, emotions of uh, depression, anxiety, hate, wickedness, not allowing those emotions to fester or to thrive in you, you realize that you can actually stop the devil. I'll say to you, and this may make some people feel bad, but time will not allow me, or this setting will not really allow me to really unpack it. But it's a truth. Some of us will get it. Some of us may not get it. Now, the thing is this. You have the ability, the power of God on the inside of you to put an end to the operations of the devil in your life. I know there's more to that. There's more in that. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done from, not from the point of trying to get God to move in your life, from the point of you knowing what God has given to you and be able to walk in the reality of that breakthrough. So Jesus came to model to us what is available to the believer? If depression is running our lives, something is not right on our hand. It's because we do not know what is available to us or what has been given to us. Jesus was not depressed for any moment, any moment in time. And if you now carry the nature and the life, the spirit of Christ in you, you can defeat depression. Now tell me, how much are psychologists and um, some other guys been able to really help people when it comes to depression? Now, they have their place. They can help you to learn how to process your thoughts. You know, they can, you know, I, I think some Christians may, may get a lot of help, you know, with, uh, when it comes to depression, with this psychiatrist and this, well, this kind of guys, you know, at, at the entry point, just to get them to be aware. But I can tell without confidence as a child of God and servant of God, no psychiat psychiatrist or therapist or anything can give you lasting solution to depression. Because they do not know, many of them do not know that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Many of them do not know that depression is as a result of death that came into the world through sin. You know, except for the Christian born again among them who are actually practicing therapy on a, on a biblical basis. But for secular therapists, I tell you, there's no lasting solution they can give to you because the lasting solution is realizing the power of God at work on the inside of you and you can, by the word of God, put those, de those, those demonic oppression and depression in your heart. You can put them away. How many mental techniques have been able to produce lasting solution to depression? Can anyone answer the question? How many techniques, how many bleeding exercises, how many? Because when the devil is on the case of a person, attacking them with depression, anxiety, and we say we want to use human techniques to go, 
to, to be. The, the devil is much more older than you. He's been in this world longer than you have been. And he's very skewed. skewed. The devil is so good. He can, he, 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 you know, if you think you overcome depression in one area, he can lock you into anxiety in the other area. So as long as you, you don't realize who you are in Christ Jesus and what God has given to you in Christ Jesus, he's just going to be playing you around. Amen. So Jesus, we saw Jesus. So that's just a, a it sounded like I went off course, but that's a word of knowledge for someone there. So, well, before I went in that direction, what I was saying is this. Jesus molded the life we should live. So Jesus spoke to the, to the fig, tree, fig tree and the tree died, right? Showing us the power of words, the power of words. So uh, I will not say death came through the mouth of Jesus, but Jesus told that tree, you can no longer function. So just to make it simple enough, so let's say I do a good job here and, I, and put us in a good place. Now, don't forget that Jesus is a creator. I mean, the Bible tells us that all things were created through Jesus. Everything. Colossians 1.16 tells us that. Everything was created through Jesus. Uh, the book of John 1 tells us, tells us that, that nothing was created that was made without Jesus. Talking about the word of God. Right. So, how Jesus created the fig tree to function is that when it begins to show leaves, right, it should start, um, it should already have fruit. So, what I learned is that the fig tree uh, starts by producing fruits, then it has leaves. But that particular fig tree did not have fruit, but it had leaves. You know, uh, sending a false message. So Jesus, Jesus literally kind of cut off the cut down the tree because the tree was malfunctioning. But he didn't cut it down using axe, he cut it down with his word. Amen. Amen. So death and life lies on the tongue. So let's look at the TPT. The how do you call it TPT again? Passion. The passion translation. Amen. This new these translations I got to know about them through my wife. You know, she's a She's, she's a more calm teacher and um, student of the word of God than I am. I'm a preacher. Amen. So TPT, the Passion Translation, it says, Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. The words you speak. I showed you an example in the life of Jesus. I showed you how God created things, his word. Now, the Bible says, Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life and the talkative person will reap the consequences the talkative person will reap the consequences some friends i want to tell you some of you need to sign out of facebook i know some of you are watching me on facebook right now so i want you to stop going to stop watching on facebook <laughs> so this is where some preachers find themselves in a kind of a dilemma dilemma you know some people actually came through uh came across this ministry through facebook but some of you guys right i think you need to go and unfollow all your friends on facebook and only follow the very few that you know are sensible and are godly there was a time in my life that when i went on facebook all i saw was immorality nudity anger bitterness hatred and i realized that it just messes my day you know what i did i had about three thousand friends then i unfollowed every one of them I dedicated about one and a half hours. I said, I said to myself, my sanity and my my sanity is valuable to me, matters to me. So I unfollowed everyone on Facebook, and then thought about about five to ten people that I know that she had said something sensible, and I then followed them. So afterwards, if anyone sent me a friend request, I go through their profile, see what they share. Some of them because I know them from somewhere somehow, and this is honest truth. 
And so you can go follow me if you if, if this if this offends you, that's fine. Right? I've no longer really spent the time on Facebook as such except for doing ministry and reaching out to people and connecting with people. Right. Now, so some people when people send me a friend request, I go through their profile, I see what they are. If what they have is hatred, is hate, and, and they are sharing videos of hate and stuff like that, I decline the invite. It's one of the reasons why someone like me has not reached 5,000 uh, friends because I decline a lot of them, right? So if some of them seem to have um, some funny content in between, but they, they friend somebody, I know somebody I'll be in, I would like to you know, be in contact with because, you know, just being a friend, right? I accept the friend request, but I unfollow them immediately. Because my Facebook timeline is my space. Why should I be allowing people to be speaking hate and wickedness into my life? Friends, Besides the words you speak, what people are speaking into your life or what people are showing you or tagging you on Facebook is either bringing life or death into your life. Many of you may have been following me for some time. I don't share dumb, unserious things on, on social media. I don't want to put death into people's mind and life. I am a carrier of the life of God. So whatever I speak must carry life. Because whether I like it or not, what I say, what I say carries power and can produce life or death in people's lives. Amen. So your words are so powerful that they will kill or give. It didn't say they can't. They will. You know, one of the uh, other versions, I think the King James says it this way. It said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. Now, the Bible did not have a middle... Um, ground in, in, in middle line you know, okay maybe maybe death-like or life-like you know there's nothing like death-like or life-like it says it's either death or life now you may not see the implication or consequence of the deposit of death in your life you know those words of death all those nudity all those anger horror movies all those things that you watch on movies on Netflix and the other and the other streaming app, you may not see the infect the the ultimate impact of those um, uh, of those deposits in your heart, you know, as you're watching them. But uh, if we follow the principle of sowing and reaping, a time will come and nobody, I repeat, nobody can escape this. Except the word of God is not true. Nobody can escape this. If you keep taking into your mind what of death. Now, so I'm talking about people who speak into your life and things you're watching. If you keep taking into your mind words of death, immorality, adultery, all those kind of things. If you keep taking them in, they are seeds sowing in your heart. And the more you watch them, the more you nurture them. Then you hear people say things like, they did something evil, something bad. And you are wondering what came over them. No, friend, the, the, your action at that point in time did not just spring up all of a sudden. You know, seeds have been sown into your heart. You have allowed them. You have allowed them. You have nurtured them. You have grown them. You have massaged them. You have even surrounded yourself with friends, your family members. That's another, that's another serious one family members to speak death into your life and you've romanced it, you laughed about it, you've applied your emotions to it, you guys have gone to the club to talk about it. And then one day when the fruit begin when the, those seeds begin to produce fruit, you realize that you are in a bad place. You know when a life is ridden by anxiety or depression, it's usually not a function of an event that happened one night. 
it's most of the time as a result of an event, an accident that happened, which the person have thought about for many years. Because I had an example, I had a kind of experience with depression and stuff like that. And one day I was analyzing, like, how come my emotions are now so used to be feeling down, unresponsive? And I was like, something is not right. And I, I felt the Lord help me to go back in memory, to go down memory lane, they say, to remember how every morning thoughts came into my mind of what is not working in my life, how things are not working, how people were not kind to me, how people, and I realized that for many months, every day consistently, those thoughts were on my mind. And uh, for two, three hours, I'm there, I feel bad, I'm just quiet, I'm just moaning. I did not realize that those thoughts and those emotions they produced were, were, were building something in me until, until one day, when, I, when things started changing for me, for good and i'm no longer thinking that way and i realized that from time to time the emotion of depression anxiety just flipping my mind another example is this there was a, okay my father was very abusive a very abusive physical emotional very abusive and there was constant fear in the home then i was as i was growing up i realized that i was driven more by fear than you know than, than other things i mean every day i mean over 24 hours, probably I will live in fear. I will be in a state of fear for 20 hours or except, or except 18 hours or maybe. But literally what I'm trying to say is that if I'm not sleeping, there's, there's a fear of something, something happening. It's just something, always a, a feeling of fear, a fear of something. And when I was 20, I think before I, was, before I turned 30 or just after I turned 30, I had to confront the thing. I was like, you know what? God is on my side. God is with me. Now, all the, all the evil I've been afraid of, which of them had come to pass in my life? None. And I said, I remember I said to the devil that day, I said, you know, whatever the problem is, bring it on board and let us talk about it. Don't keep scaring me about something I'm not, I, I'm not interested in, things that are not real. Mm -hmm. I remember I told my wife that day, and that day, and each time the feeling of fear strikes my heart, I speak back that word. And I realized that there's an emotional stability. It brings it, I speak it back the word. It brings, I speak back the word. It brings, I speak back the word. Until it became a lifestyle. Because I will not allow the devil continue to run me, run my life crazy. Because it was affecting my finances. It was affecting my, my performance in my workplace. What I, could, what, I, what I thought about myself as to what I can do. You know, it, was, it, was, it was a bad place. But what was the source of it? For many years, over, eight, over 10 years thereabout. I was living a constant fear in the house because once my father shows up, problem shows up, he will beat anybody down. There was a day he beat me up that I nearly died. I passed out in the middle and later I came back to life. If God had not kept my life, my father would have killed me. I don't have a children of resentment for him. But you can see, when some beating nearly took out your life, you can see how he... And we lived in that for many years. And now I... I okay, after 10 years or more, okay, I think we left... Uh, with, my mom had to move out of the house when I was about 10. So for like eight years of my life, it's been like seven years of my life because I started noticing all of this, I think as, as early as age of three, four, they about. So let's say five years. Let's just put a figure, five years. I was living in constant fear. Even after we moved out and it came to show up in our school, friends, I ran. It was, it, it was bad. You know, you know when you see your father and you had to jump the school, fa school fence, kind of, right, to escape through the bush to get a vehicle to get you out of the school compound. It was that bad. There's another time he showed up in my school that I had to remove my school uniform, had my t-shirt, my wife, uh, so no, my, my, my sister, we had to change and we sneaked out of school against school, school policy. That's how scared we were of this man.
And those fear had produced things in my life and um, I had to confront them. Amen. So if you keep allowing things, people to speak into your life, if you keep whatever it is, allow people to keep bringing into your life, it's only a matter of time before you begin to see results. And a time after come to many of us to say, you know what, today is the day. I will no longer continue to allow this thing to rule me. Amen. Amen. So if someone is doubting, if someone is doubting that um, the words we speak have power, let me ask you a few questions. Now, have anyone, have someone ever said, uh, sorry, have anyone spoken words to you that got you angry? They only spoke words. They just they, they said something and it got you angry. No, sorry. Uh, this is going to be a negative experiment here. So remember the last time, try to remember the last time somebody, is a negative one, so right, but I'm going to bring you back to the positive. Can you remember the last time somebody said something to you that got you angry? And then, they, then later on, maybe they apologized and then the anger came down. Can you see how what spoken to you got you into an emotional uh, unease and instability trying to drive you crazy? And imagine now, if that happened to you on a one-off, imagine that, as a imagine that being a regular occurrence in your life as you go on Facebook watching all manner of hate speech. So what do you think you will become along the line? And the movies that we watch full of hatred, horror movies. Amen. Now, our next question is this. As, so, I'm, let's begin to the positive. Has anyone ever said something to you and got so excited, blessed you? You know, met, all our church members, uh, you know, they, they send me text messages thanking God, thanking God in my life for the words of life I speak to them. And people's lives have been changed in our church. Amen. So, has anyone said anything to you that got you excited, that got you blessed, made you, they lifted your spirit? Remember the last time somebody said something pleasant to you? Maybe your husband. The day decided to be born again and to be a nice person, said something nice to you, and then he just blessed you and gladdened your heart. Can you see how powerful words are? What are not just something we say, what have life? They carry life in them. Right? So and the next question is this: Has anyone said something, said something suggestive to you, and you realize that you are kind of tempted to go and try something bad? You know, they said something, you know, hey, come, what do you think? You know, wouldn't it be cool if we do this? And you're like, no, that's not good. And after they left you, that thought kept running your mind to go and experiment with something that, that can destroy your life. Also, another reason why you got to be careful the kind of movies you watch. Because many of us have been tempted on a daily basis with the things. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Don't be saying to me that right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Many of you will have to cut off from many of your Christian friends that are full of lust and destruction. I speak by the Spirit. Now, you may think, is God asking us to cut off from Christians? Is God not telling us that, has God not told us that we should, be, we should walk in love, we should love one another? Now, you can turn your Bible to the book of, uh, I think, 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 11. You know, you can read that at your own time. The Bible tells, Paul said, is that anyone named a brother or sister who is given to sexual immorality, he said we should not, we should not allow close association with them. Read it. Read it. Now, and Paul stated clearly, he said, I'm not telling you not to associate with people of the world because you will have to come out of this world. He said, but any Christian who is given, who has taken sexual immorality and some other things he said, they've taken it as their lifestyle, including your pastor's wife. He said, God has not called me to be friends with everybody. He has called me to deliver a message. So if your pastor or your pastor's wife is given to sexual immorality, somebody is saying, how can 
pastor's wife. See, friend, I've seen a lot and things are happening. I've seen pictures. I've seen things, right? So, so let's be real. Let's be real. If a pastor's wife is given to sexual immorality, this is the time for you to get out of that church. Guys, I'm, let me be very real with you. Let me be very real with you. I've seen the destructive uh, work of sexual immorality in people and it's, it's so rampant today. You know, many of the cases I deal with are in the area of sexual immorality, exposure what somebody said to them. Right? It, sexual immorality is bad. It's bad to the core. It's bad and bad. It's deadly. It's destructive. I can't explain it well enough. It is bad. Whatever variation of sexual immorality, friends, you are better off staying in your house and, and connecting with the service online as opposed to coming in close contact with some Christians who are against sexual immorality. See, I'm not talking about whether God will forgive or God will not forgive you. I'm not talking about what some Nigerians will say, like body no be wood. What they mean is that you know you can't you can't tell me you know you know I will have feelings, I will have urges, you know you know my body is not I'm not my body is not dead. I have feelings, I have this. But you know what I can say to you? If many people are not feeling their mind, if they are single or they are divorced or something, if many people are not feeling their mind or sexual immorality on content, on imaginations, their body will not respond that way. I know what I'm talking about. If you're not living with a person of the opposite sex in the same house, I mean, who is not your brother, your sister, and you're not watching all kind of nonsense, right? you can easily lay aside those emotions. Single ladies, be very careful of those evil conversations you have with other single ladies. And I said earlier on that God's going to be talking to us this morning. Amen. Words are powerful. Amen. So, if someone said something to you and then you got you, and it's something suggestive and you find yourself you're struggling not to do what you, you didn't want to do. So, let's, let's drive this thing forward. Now, I said that words are, have power to set the building blocks in our lives. Words have the power to set the building blocks in our life. I want to talk about building blocks. I'm talking about our way of life, how we see life and how we behave. So either words spoken to us or the words we speak. I'm going to spend more time now on, on the words we speak. Either words spoken to us or words we speak. As long as we allow those words into our mind and we allow them to fester, we allow them to, we nurture them, or we, are, or we think through them, or we consider them, right? They begin to form the pillars, the cornerstones in our lives, the building blocks in our life, how we see life, how we behave, how we think, how we reason, how we act. Words are powerful. When Satan was going to tempt Jesus, what did he do? Answer the question. When Satan was going to tempt Jesus, what did he do? He said, he spoke. He said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, turn stone into bread. He spoke. So, if it was not a temptation, the Bible would not have recorded it. But because of the magnitude and the impact of it, the Bible recorded it for us. Satan tempted Jesus three times by speaking words to him to try him. And the words that he was speaking to him was to, was to challenge his identity. I can't wait for that time when God helped me to mature well into, those, uh, into that ministry that he has called, one, one kind of ministry he's called me to do, which is helping people, to, helping us to discover our identity. A lot of things are challenging our identity on a daily basis. A lot of stuff. And we cannot even recognize it. Want to give me a, want me to give you an example? 
before we go back to Jesus and Satan. Right. Now, so when an advert comes up on Instagram, on the TV, and says to you that you need to look in a certain way for you to be beautiful. And when you look that certain way, the, the amount of attention you get from the opposite sex or from people uh, is, a, is a measure of your worth. Mm. Do, you get, do, you get, do you get what I mean? Okay, let me, let me try to rephrase it. So when an advert comes up on Instagram or something and, and tell you that you can look like this so that you can get all of this attention, and then if you can get all of those attention, it means that you're a celebrity, it means you're a part, it means it's, it's a measure. There are, many, there are many variations, I don't want to start going into details, and, but it's a measure of your value. Young girls, school girls, please listen to this. Mothers, please listen to this. Mothers, I repeat, please listen carefully to this. Mothers, please listen carefully to this. Now, many of the celebrities, especially female celebrities that we see who are popular, who are famous today, their, identity, their sense of identity is driven by the following and the attention they get. If you want to test it, let one of them lose 30 millions or 30 million. So I know I think I know one of them who have over 60 million followers. Let one of them lose 30 million of their followers in one night. Let me tell you something you are likely to hear in the news. Shock or heart attack. You know, I've been in this world for some time now. I've done a lot of experiment on, experiment on myself. I've read books. I've, I've dealt with people. Many of us don't realize how much dependency on others defines our identity. And when some people want to pull out of our lives or they are trying to pull out of our lives, we realize that we're unstable, we are shaky, we are hungry, you know, we are possessive, and our life just begins to go, to spiral down. You know, Mothers, you have to take responsibility to help your daughters understand that their worth and their value is not in the attention they get from the opposite sex. If you've got to get books, you've got to get books. You've got to re remove them from the associations and the friends they keep. You have to do that nicely with all, uh, uh, I mean, in love. Mothers, your daughters can either become the next woman who will channel their generation on the path of righteousness or be the one that will lead them into destruction. You have the power now. If your children have not gone out and done something else, you have the power now to channel them in the right direction. Mothers, having children is not um, a status. A mother of three, a mother of four, is not a status. I know having children is a social status in Nigeria because some people were, before my wife and I decided to uh, I decided to have a baby, okay, that may surprise you. This morning is a, is, a, is a session of pure transparency. Many people think that we didn't, we didn't have children because um, uh, there's a problem and um, they were seeing all that man of stuff and I just smiled. You know, it was recently my wife and I decided to say, okay, okay like, we, want to, we want to have a baby. Ah, you get to me. And uh, a lot of people were seeing all man of stuff. Ah, you know, somebody called one day and they're like, you know what, we know that, you know, we, I know, I know you're trusting God. I know, I know, I'm with you, I'm standing with you. And I'm thinking, uh, no, if you want to start believing God with me, you want to start now. Don't look at how long I've been married for. Because you don't know what I had to clear, I had to deal with. 
you know, like I said earlier on, I came from an abusive uh, background, home, right? I don't want to be like my dad. So I'm going to look at it after a child. There are things I have to fix in my own mind, in my own brain, before I think about having a child. In the, in the, in the culture I came from, having a child is a status, is a social status. When you have a children, when you have children is when people are happy with you. But when you don't seem to have a child in the first two, three years of marriage, it's like, it's like, it's like the enemy and, 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 the, and the battalions of demons of heaven are, are against you. But the sad part is this. Many people have kids and they are not able to raise kids. So what's the point? If you cannot raise kids, should you have kids? Friends, if you stay with us, like some people have said a lot about us, that my wife and I are very unconventional. My wife, okay, well, that's one of the reasons why she kind of, she kind of said yes when I asked her house because she said I was unconventional. She's smiling, she's blushing behind the camera. So like I said, I'm unconventional. And I thank God for helping me to, see, to, to know I'm unconventional. Right. So, with the community, the community and, the, and the culture I come from, having children has, is, a, is a kind of social status. If you don't have a children, it's like there's a stigma on you. I think some people, if they don't think they can raise children, they should not have kids. Oh, oh. Anybody can see anything. You can put all kind of negative comment there. So why should you raise, God forbid, not God forbid, why should the mother or father raise the next Hitler? Now there's a question. Why should they raise the next Hitler? Do you know what kids are doing in universities? Do you know what kids are doing in universities today? You know, some children, they come home, they look innocent kind of thing. But do you, I'm a pastor. I deal with people on a daily basis. I speak to beautiful ladies and some guys who have great potential, whose life is on the, on the decline. I mean, things are going wrong in their life. And when we dig things down, May on most of, for most of them, not all of them, for most of them, it was because of something that their parents did not do properly growing up. Raising kids is not fun. I was listening to a pastor yesterday. He said he, he, he has raised two functional daughters. He said, if he can raise those two girls to be functional and doing well, he said he can raise the dead. And I've heard it's not from one person. One of my friends has a, has a daughter and I know how how his wife says, man, this lady's girl is a bunch of work. <laughs> I get to me. And I don't know where, where young girls get that thing from. They're just, you know, when, they, when they're turning two or before they turn two, they started bossing. It's about two of my, two people I know recently I've kind of had um, about a girl. And um, if my sister, one of my sisters just had um, a girl uh, uh, sometime last year. And uh, my mom was saying to me that, man, we thought, um, the older sister's daughter was the vocal one. She said, that one is super vocal. <laughs> she is super vocal. I, I get to me. So raising kids, you know, my, 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 my younger sister said to me one day, she said, Broughton Day, I thank God for these kids. I thank God for these kids. But this, child, this one is a chance to walk. He said, I thank God for them. Raising for, you know, you love them. You love those little um, those little kids when they, you know, when when they are when when they are well behaved and when they are not well behaved, like God, like can you just fix this child? I get to me, you know. I, I thank God for my for my mom who took his who took her time and the pain to to raise someone like me. I don't think I was that troublesome when I was a child, you know. I think I think I was I was I was one of those well <laughs> was well behaved children, you know. I can't say about my wife though, right? But I need to I think I need to have a conversation with her mom, right? But I think she was kind of uh, okay. But if, if our mothers were talking, I think they would say of me that I was more well behaved 
than my wife. I, I think so. I, I, I think so, right? Because I, I'm a very good boy. I've been a good boy since I was in the womb. Amen. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> no, pray for us. We, we pray for us after this service that we will not need a marriage counseling. Just pray for us. Amen. Right. Mothers, it's work to raise kids. And I, and I feel God speaking to you this morning. It's work to raise kids. Uh, if a woman is broken herself, I'm not sure how much good work she may be able to do to raise a child. And I took my time to say, you know what, I want to have a clear direction as to where my life is going before I start having kids. I don't want to be patching, patching up things. I don't want to be patching up some wounds and stuff in my life, some hate, some hatred from my father and stuff like that. Patching those things up and trying to raise kids at the same time. Say, I'd rather have one child, right, as opposed to have three and not be able to raise them properly. So people say to me, the guys, you need to start very early, you need to start very early, right? So that you can have all your kids. But I'd rather wait and be late and have one as opposed to have three that I can not raise properly. I know this is very unconventional. This is not what many Nigerians believe. This is not what many people believe in Africa about children. But we need to come to the point whereby we are very sincere with ourselves and say, what is actually going on? Mm -hmm. Stop allowing people to drive your life. Your parents will not live your life for you. Your parents are not in your mind. They are not going to bear the pain for you. They are not going to bear the struggle with you. You are the one who will bear the struggle and the pain or whatever of whatever decision you make. So don't allow your parents. Once you are an adult, don't allow your parents to run your life. The Lord is really speaking to us this morning. God help me. All right. I'm still in my introduction. Anyway, I remember I was speaking to a man. Uh, who I used to be part of a church and this guy drives the church bus. And he was talking about how his mom... Some others, you may not like me with this, but instead of you not liking me, I think you might need to change your own behavior. Now, he was complaining of how, about how his mother is kind of ruining his marriage. And I asked the question, where does your mother live? He said that she, she lives in Nigeria. So, who brings her to the country? Himself. So, you buy tickets. Some mothers will not like this. You don't like this. And um, instead of you to hate me, just think through with me. I'm going to shut down on here and then we'll continue next week. So you get a visa and a ticket from your mom to bring her into your home and your marriage is about to break. Your children are hating you because they don't see you as a man who is strong enough to put his home in an order. Your children are becoming rebellious and you're complaining about your mother. How does your mother get into your house? You buy the ticket. You apply, for the, you apply for the visa, she gets the visa, you buy the ticket, you arrange people to take her to the airport, and you bring her here and she spends six months. Ah, oh, Jesus is Lord. If you cannot speak to your mom, your mom will not change. Maximum, you bring her in for two weeks, and that's because you are nice. Or you let her stay in Nigeria, and you alone go and visit her there. You alone go and visit her there. Somebody may say, you don't know how nasty the wife is. I, I had the story. It's what, the problem is not with his wife. The mother was a controlling freak. She's controlling. I've heard things about mothers. Mothers, can I say something to you? Say, raising a child as a privilege is a responsibility, right? Uh, but your child is not forever indebted to you to pay you for what you have done in this life or her life. Raising a child as a privilege. You have a child, you're investing into their life, you're raising a person. Right? Now expecting that they will pay back with their life, with their family, with their marriage, 
or that you continue to have that control in your in their life is ungodly. I know I've spoken words into families this morning, and so I think some families will have a conversation this morning. I've not tried to make anyone feel bad or feel offended. But there's so much pain going on in people's lives. As a pastor, I see a lot of stuff. But we need to come to the point whereby we begin to think and pray and talk to one another and find out how are we going to resolve these issues. Friend, we're talking about getting what you say. Now I'm talking about parents, mothers. You know, who want to continue to control the life of their children. God is speaking to you this morning. You have to detach your identity and yourself of personhood, your sense of life from the from that child. You know, one of my, when my wife and I were thinking about having kids, we looked at the risk in it, and we're like, you know, we're just gonna do our best and just raise these kids because the time will come they will have to go out and do whatever they want to do, and then <laughs> we just have to keep them in prayers. But we have to we have about say sixteen to seventeen years to put the best we can put in their mind. And we commend them to the word of His grace, to the word of God, and they continue their life. Amen. Amen. So mothers, I, let, let, let God speak to you in that regard. You know, um, if I reverse and rewind back to verse to where I, I stopped before I, I started calling out word of knowledge. Mothers, you gotta be very careful what people are pour, be careful with what people are pouring into the mind of your daughters on social media, on the movies. I've seen where mothers and daughters were commenting and laughing at immorality on the TV. And it's sad in my heart. Like, do you know the harm you're doing to these girls? Mothers, the actions you take. See, this is not to hurt anyone. I feel in my heart to speak to single mothers who have um, boyfriends. The little, little streaming stuff overnight about this. Now, those men coming into your home, those different men, those actions are sending a message to your daughter. They are framing a perspective, a mindset, how she sees life and how she sees herself. I've not really investigated into the English culture, how much people speak to their kids, right? But in my culture, in the Nigeria where I come from, it's not commonplace that mothers have a heart-to-heart conversations with their daughters. It's not commonplace. Some people do, but it's not common. Because if you had heart-to-heart conversations with your daughter and you find, you ask them that, you know what, this man has come, we're in a relationship. Because when you go and do stuff with that man, they know. They see it. But if you have a heart-to-heart conversation with your daughter and say, my actions, how is it affecting you? You'll be surprised at what you hear. There's more in my heart, uh, but I don't think there are things that um, we can talk about on, on social media because um, people may not be, know how to place them correctly. Now I can sense in my heart some people's hearts is um, I can sense in my heart somewhat some people's hearts is kind of like someone I can sense someone crying in their heart and someone feeling uh, stuff in their heart right now based on some things I've covered here. Right, I just want to pray with you. I just you know I just let me, I just want to speak into your heart. You know, yeah. Let's just let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your daughter in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for that time has come for this one to be delivered from the bondages and um, oppressions and captivity the enemy has uh, led her into. And Lord, we speak your we speak that your power is re- we pray that your power is released into this heart right now in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, we pray that your power, your healing power, is released into this heart right now. This one, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
every mother who is feeling guilty and feeling bad this morning lord i pray and who feel who have a sense of regret father i pray that your word of healing reaches their heart and you teach them and guide them as to how to pick things up how to pick up the pieces and make things right in the name of jesus oh thank you holy spirit thank you father thank you jesus right mothers what have they said is not to condemn you you know we've given a, a message of hope and caution to mothers who have a chance to make things right in the life of their daughters fathers the same thing too with you you know you can't keep jumping into different kind of skirts or different kind of women and doing that kind of stuff and think that it will not affect your son it's not affecting their sense of identity the things you say the actions the things you do are sending a message to your child the things the fathers do either bring life or death in the life of a, into the life of a child so fathers you want to be very cautious of what we're doing and i almost say the things that my father said to me and i'm so grateful to god that i didn't grow up i didn't i didn't grow up with my father i can tell you for certain i most likely not might not be doing this today because of the kind of things in the mind of my father and how my father sees life and his attitude towards the opposite sex right fathers be careful your actions and your words you speak the encouragement the words to say because i have asked fathers you know say to their adult and says to their my father said that to me my father said to me one time like that says you know, and i'm not trying to use it to shame my father i'm just trying to be honest and be able to help people here my father said to me one day he said when i was second to school he said you know don't go after girls now but when you get to university you can you can go after as many girls as possible then i knew i was a problem but this after we have left you know when we'll be able to reconcile a little bit and each time my father comes to greet us he always comes with a different woman right that's not a good role model right but look at the words that spoken to my life and um, if I had been raised in under that kind of environment, probably my father would have been the one encouraging me to have multiple girlfriends and I would not have been able to be focused or be faithful in my marriage. Can you see how death could have been produced in my life based on what my father is saying? Mothers too, what are you saying to your, to your, to your daughter? Are you telling them they can be seductive enough? They should do things so that they can attract as many men as possible? It's death because whether you like it or not, it is killing their, 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 their sense of identity. I mean, the, the, the positive side of their, of their sense of identity and it's leading them in the path of destruction. The words we speak into the life of our children will produce either death or life, coupled with our actions. Fathers, please, be conscious of the actions you take. You don't want your child, your son, to be the one who will arrange your death. When he real in future, when he realized that what you are put in him is evil, you don't want a child. You don't want to raise. You don't want to live a kind of life or say things into the life of your son that will cause generational darkness and death and destruction, because of you trying to have pleasure. I leave you guys to the hands of the Lord. He's gonna help you, heal you, strengthen you. If anyone wants further help and advice, you know, kind of thing. Uh, the advice you will use not the one that you just want to hear and not do anything about you can contact us we can help out and we can recommend you we can you know connect you with probably people you might that may be able to give you some uh, professional help but please if you're not going to take the advice not going to do it please don't call me please 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 amen i ble I, I love you guys uh, i just feel in my heart too you know my wife has been talking about you know leading people to christ you know people want to give your life to christ 
I think I'm going to do that with this morning. So if you are watching me, and what I can see in my spirit is someone who is far from God. It's not that you're not born again, but in your heart, you've kind of like stayed away from the Lord. I want to pray with you this morning. You know, I want to, God has not left you. He's not disappointed in you. He hasn't left you. But this morning, God is saying to you, so he's saying, he's talking to you. He's calling you to come back to him that his love for you has not changed. I want to say, I repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that's come to me today. Thank you for helping me realize that you have not loved me less despite the fact that I've done so much evil and I've, and I've strayed away from you. Father, in the name of Jesus, in humility and repentant of heart, I come back to you this morning. I come back to you today to accept you as my father. And I say that from today, Jesus will be my Lord and you will be my God. In Jesus' name. I receive afresh the baptism of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for ever caring so much for me and for never giving up on me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Friends, we look forward to hearing from you guys. Uh, please remember to connect with us on Wednesday when my wife will have will be online at seven o'clock to you know bless you guys you know address some questions um, we look forward to your comment and messages God bless you guys enjoy the rest of your day